Welcome to Nine Bob Note with Paul Isles Rush and Ken Moss. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nine Bob Note. I'm Paul. And I'm Ken. Good afternoon, Ken. Good afternoon, Paul. We've got quite a serious one today. What are we discussing? Conversion therapy. Or, because uh, I think we, uh, we've we discussed it amongst ourselves, but for the benefit of the listeners, <laughs> <laughs> this is quite a big topic and it can be quite serious. It's a, it's a very big topic. There's lots of different aspects to it. Lots of people have uh, different opinions. And also, very recently, there's been discussion of the ban on conversion therapy, which has been coming in for quite some time and has taken a lot longer than it should have done. And then there was an announcement, although it wasn't an announcement, there was a leak that Mm. Boris Johnson was overturning the ban completely. And then there was a, oh, actually, he's not overturning it. He's just going to bring it in, but it's only going to be for gay people and it's not going to include trans people. And the government has been very silent on this. However, you had a cunning card up your sleeve. Well, I did. And uh, as uh, long-time listeners may know, I do have quite an interest in uh, politics in general. So I've done some digging around on the net. And to be quite honest, it doesn't take an awful lot of digging. (laughs) Uh, Hansard and the .gov website, they are filled to the brim with information. And it's quite easy to find. So there is a bill being put forward through Parliament. It's uh, uh, been put forward by the MP for Bath, Vera Hobhouse, who we'll hear more from in a moment, which is very explicit about the ban. It's called the Conversion Therapy Prohibition Bill. It's on the 2021-2022 calendar. And it's gone through the first reading of Parliament back in June last year and is due for a second reading on the 6th of May. We'll come on to all this in a minute. The only problem that I've got with all this, and it is hysteria, because uh, you're nodding, <laughs> um, on Twitter and in the media, is that there has been no official government statement, or that I can find any statement of any kind from the government saying that the government ban will only apply to gay people, it doesn't apply to trans people. We've both discussed this, and you've made some the very obvious comment, why is nobody in government denying this? And I can't tell you, <laughs> because there is a document on the .gov website that outlines, and it's been there for months, it's not just appeared, it outlines the government's position on conversion therapy. Mm. And it's very, very, very explicit that it covers gays, lesbians, trans, or anybody else that has their sexuality. I and mean, it's a lengthy document, but it's not a flabby one. It just mm. goes into great depth. And buried in there, it says quite explicitly that work on transsexual conversion therapy, because it's such a new area, and, and they, they'll be the first to admit that they don't know enough about it, although it's included in the government's proposed ban, separate work will need to be done alongside whatever bill goes through Parliament to make it even more robust. So picking through the bones of it, it could be argued that that, that the, the government's own document does sound like, well, we'll do separate work on that, but it won't be, but it's not. It's, it's all, I'll post a link on, onto our Twitter feed so that you can look up your own minds on this. 
But if anybody out there can direct me to a, a direct quote where somebody from the government said that, you know, we are, we're dropping our plans for conversion therapy or it's not going to happen or we'll, we'll put it on hold for a different day. I can find no official statement whatsoever. What I have heard is an interview with Boris Johnson that was taken wildly out of court. I mean, he's not a very good interviewee. He's not. Because he's stupid. Uh, I don't... Do you know what? I, I, I maintain this. I have no political leanings one way or another. I do not have any affiliations with any party anymore. I think, quite frankly, they at the moment, they really are all as bad as each other. Uh, or certainly Labour and the Conservatives. But I think he actually does know what he's doing. He's just not a very good public speaker or public persona at all. And that's the problem that there is with... You look at somebody, and I'm going, please don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> I've stumbled across recently a Facebook page called The Grocer's Daughter. And it's an archive of Margaret Thatcher's speeches. Right. And they're just compelling. I, I just, I can't, I find myself watching these things. And whether or not you agree with her views and what she said, in interviews, she's devastatingly on point. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard anybody in an interview so convinced of her own stance. Not not necessarily that she's right, but her own stance. Mm. And you think, she was our Prime Minister, she looks and sounds like a Prime Minister, and then you've got Boris. Yeah. And one of the things about um, about Margaret Thatcher is, obviously, uh, to, to a lot of people, and to many, many people, she was the epitome of evil. Mm. But the fact that she was so convinced, and all of the things all of the evil things that she got through as uh, you know she had some way of convincing the government it's not a dictatorship she can't just make these decisions. no she no. she had to it was just the way that she put things across so we now look back and say oh my god i can't believe that they did that but uh, she obviously had a way of doing it because she was so convinced that she was right and what she was doing was right for you know for whatever it was at the time boris couldn't persuade anyone. I mean, anyway. <laughs> we- <laughs> like I said, the, I think a lot of the problem that the government has at the moment is that messages are being, I mean, as is the way of the world, uh, it's increasingly the, the way that um, sound bites are taken wildly out of context. And a lot of the stuff that he says, <laughs> it's t- because it's, it doesn't have a a crisp, clear way of talking. It's a very blustery way of talking. So it gives a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room for editing mm. and for quotes to be taken out of context. One of the things that I've never liked, and this this applies across the board, is photographers will take a burst of pictures, maybe 20 in a burst. And on some of those, somebody will have their eyes half closed or they'll be <laughs> funny. They'll look like they're pulling a funny face and that'll be used as the... We've seen it how many millions of times in tabloid stories. They do it a lot with Boris Johnson. He's being, the media have just painted him out as this figure. He knows exactly what he's doing. I have no doubt in my mind. It's just this, (laughs) no, the media image of him is, I mean, it's not a million miles off off what I I presume his his actual persona is. He's (laughs) he's a little bit blustery and uh, blah, blah. I I don't think that's a million miles off what he really is like. (laughs) But I think he's, uh, the way he's, he soundbited out of context so much. So with this one, with this conversion therapy ban, I am willing, I'm very, very willing to be proved wrong, but I can find nowhere an official government statement that says that it's been shelved or delayed or what have you. 
Yeah, because it's something that, um, I mean, as I said, it's, it has been on the cards for years. Mm. I think the uh, Margaret Thatcher's evil twin, Liz Truss, has been involved <laughs> in it at some point. Uh, uh, and then it just came out one night and it was, I think it was an ITN reporter claimed to have found um, a leaked memo, which obviously wasn't an official government mm. statement. And it was apparently to people who work in the press department of the of the government. And it was, it was saying, by the way, we're going to get rid of this ban on conversion therapy. So just be prepared. And here's, you know, here's how to answer the questions, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. But as you say, that, have you actually seen it? I've, I, well, th- this is it. I've seen a, a snippet, cuttings yeah. of it. Yeah. So th- whether we can rely on that. And then obviously the next day it came out and this wasn't even a leaked memo. It was just, oh, by the way, yeah, you know, they're not overturning the ban. They're just going to uh, ban conversion therapy for gay people and exclude trans people. But as you say, nobody knows where this actually came from. Mm. And uh, I mean, part of the... Um, the thing that we have been going back and forth is why haven't the government, why has nobody from the government just come out and said, no, look, this isn't happening at all. <laughs> you know, the, what is actually happening is the bill as it is, is going to go through. It might be delayed again because of what's been going on mm. with COVID. But at the moment we have no plans to amend it. Or as, like you said, the bit about trans people isn't actually saying they're going to be ex- excluded from the ban. What it's saying is this, and nobody's come out. So at the moment, we don't really know what's going on. And as you said, all we have to rely on is the hysteria. I just think it's very strange that the government have been very quiet about it. But the fact that they're um, being quiet doesn't necessarily mean they're up to no good, because as we have established with uh, <laughs> with this government if they're going to do something evil, they're quite proud to tell us about it anyway. So, <laughs> You see, we had a, a Twitter conversation between ourselves and, and Simon Exner, who sometimes guests with us. He's, he's, uh, I podcast with him on, on other subjects. Hmm. Uh, but one of the things I, you, know, you both asked was, well, why doesn't somebody come out and say it? But the problem that we've got is that we're now so far down the path that all MPs are liars that when they stand up and say something, I mean, bear in mind, I used to get it in my, you know, many, many rungs down the ladder, but I used to get it too. I would make official statements and speeches. These were in front of hundreds of people and minuted and put in the official council records. I was still lying. Mm. How can it be a lie if it's on record and minuted in the official records? Yeah. You just, it's there. You said that, mate. It's there on record. And Hansard is very, I mean, the, the official record of the House of Commons, it is explicit who's saying what. Yes. And when they said it. So you can't get out of it. The problem that the, there is with, like you've said, you know, quite rightly, why does nobody deny this? Because whoever puts their head above the parapet, they're going to become the liar, the scapegoat. Mm. And I firmly believe in, in just, I, I'm my, one of my, my, uh, my watchwords was, tell the public anything that they can find out somewhere else from somebody mm. less reputable and Chinese whispers start. Just be open and honest about everything you can. It's just a lot easier. Go yeah. on record with the facts. Your problem starts where people take bits of those mm. facts. So if a, an MP stood up and said, look, this is something that's been taken wildly out of context. You know, we aren't, there are no plans to shelve this bill. It's been delayed because of COVID. There are, there's work being done separately to involve trans uh, conversion therapy. All those little fragments could be taken out of context. 
The government has no plans to shelve it. Well, you know, that's not a yes or no, is it? <laughs> uh, separate works being carried out on separate. So it's not part of the main bill then. So everything would be twisted and that person would be, well, government flunky. They're, of course they're going to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation. But, I mean, I think it, it remains to be seen. I think one of the uh, one of the things that we've touched on quite a few times is the extra work that needs to be done on the trans mm. side of things. But I think what we'll probably do is talk about the workings of conversion therapy in a different episode. This is way too big to cover mm. in one yes. half hour. So yeah. yes. For the moment, our target today is <laughs> a private member's bill, yes. which has been, as I've mentioned before, been put through by the MP for Bath, Vera Hobhouse. I've looked in the House of Commons Library and... She's a busy MP. Yes, she is. She was elected in 2017, and uh, my goodness me, there are pages and pages and pages and pages of (laughs) stuff that she's contributed to the House of Commons and and bills that she's put forward. And uh, I think one of the ones which I'm sure you remember, there was the upskirting Mm, bill a few years ago, which um, we'll come back to after a a little vignette that we've got, because I conducted an interview with her last week. She was very kindly gave us an interview over the phone. Paul and I put some questions to her, and it runs a little bit like this. We're very lucky this afternoon to be joined by Vera Hobhouse, the MP for Bath. Vera, you've put forward a bill to Parliament regarding conversion therapy, the Prohibition Bill. That's listed as Bill 57 of the 2021-22 year. First and foremost, what's inspired you to bring this bill in the first place? Well, I listened very carefully to campaigners who um, have experienced themselves the most horrific abuse uh, under the practice of what is called conversion therapy, have suffered lifelong problems and implications from it. And, you know, listening to a lived experience of people who've gone sometimes for years through conversion therapy, you think this sounds like some sort of medieval practice. Why does it still happen in this country in the 21st century? So for me, it was important to campaign to have a ban. The government has actually promised that there would be a ban, but it keeps going back and forth on it. So for me, I mean, my own private member's bill is then always more of a campaigning tool than than actually something that, that will ultimately happen unless a government takes it forward and makes it into law. The bill was presented on the 21st of June in 2021 and it's due its second reading on the 6th of May 2022. As far as we can see on the government website itself, there have been no amendments and no official diary entries that show that it's been dropped. There's been an awful lot of hysteria in the press about this. Why do you think that's been reported the way it has? My bill particularly is not the the bill that causes controversy. What is causing controversy is that the government itself wants to introduce a bill to ban conversion therapy. But Boris Johnson first went back entirely and said, no, we're not going to do it. And then he went halfway back, which I think is even worse, to exclude trans people from a ban. And uh, unless you do a ban for for everybody um, who is harmed by conversion therapy, it's not a proper ban. My own bill is a private member's bill, and people often misunderstand what it is. Private member's bills are there for backbench MPs to put forward legislation that they think is necessary, but it is very unlikely to make it into law unless the government takes it on to their legislative book and makes it into law, because it, it falls usually at second reading. 
and and this is always when when you first introduce the title, it's just the title of a bill, and then people ask second reading what day, then you say what day it is. In my case, the sixth of May, um, but on the day itself, the sixth of May, my bill will fall because it will not progress. You know, it will not even get to a vote at second reading. So it is much more a way of putting an important issue on the agenda and making people talk and think about it rather than actually knowing that it will make it into law. Only a government bill will make it into law, and therefore we are fighting that the government is introducing a law to ban conversion therapy, not just for gay people, but also for trans people. Your bill is very, very explicit in its wording. It includes everybody, and there is a there's a paper on the government website itself listing their stance on conversion therapy, which is very explicit and does include trans people. Clearly, you you don't believe that your own bill is going to get past the 6th of May. Do you not think that the government is going to face a tremendous backlash because of this when your bill is so clearly explicit and does include everybody? Yes, I I mean, the backlash um, to the government proposal, which is not even fully on the table, but because trans issues have become such a big part of the awful culture wars that this government and the Tories are waging um, against, you know, anybody who is trying to be inclusive and is fighting for an inclusive society because of that culture war, which the Tories are stoking or particular parts in society are stoking, this has become such a controversy. It shouldn't. And and I feel awful for anybody who is a target of that and, and all the hate crime that is going on and that we are not able to really protect those who really need protecting. And it doesn't mean that I don't listen to, um, you know, gay women and gay communities um, and women who need safe spaces. All of that um, is fully understood. But conversion therapy is something that doesn't affect gay spa- uh, safe spaces. It's, it just affects people who are being harmed to the point that they are committing suicide. And a bill is there to protect everybody from harm, not just some people. Would it be a silly question to ask what you think about attempts by colleagues in Parliament to water down the ban, for example, excluding trans people uh, or religious exemptions, or even overturn it completely? Well, it's unacceptable. We are here and and legislation is here to protect everybody. And if there is harmful behaviour out there, then we need to protect people. And unfortunately, it's a reality that these things happen they happen to gay people, they happen to trans people. Why or why should we exclude trans people? From a human point of view, it's just so incredibly cruel and discriminatory. And I've I've wondered whether it's actually going against the Equalities Act. Um, there would be a lot of legal challenges anyway, I think. We've got a number of legislation that should protect people from not being discriminated against. Apparently, Parliament can decide anything. So you could actually, you know, to protect yourself from legal challenges, you know, through the Equalities Act, you could just say, notwithstanding so-and-so, which again, I I think completely defeats the object of having a particular legislation there. I'm not a lawyer, but um, I can tell you that lawyers pouring all over a way of legally challenging to have a conversion therapy ban for gay people only. It's understood there are members of your own party that have signed an open letter asking to the, for the ban to be restricted. Is that true? And have you uh, spoken to those colleagues? Well, I haven't seen the open letter yet, but I am speaking internally with colleagues who are sceptical, you know, call themselves gender critical and 
I think what liberals should be good at and are usually good at is discussing everything until we've come to the evidence and come to what is as true as possible at the moment in time. What I think a lot of people who um, have concerns are saying is that currently there is a very vociferous minority of trans activists who are now not allowing the other side to be heard. And I think for them, the concern is more about that all sides are properly heard and listened to rather than shouted down or not platformed and that sort of thing. And, And as a liberal, I agree. First of all, we shouldn't shout at each other. We should listen carefully to all the arguments and not platforming is something that is that I have got issues with as well. I also understand why why people are asking for certain voices simply to be silenced because they are so damaging. I think what I would personally say about all of that is, look, this is about humans and people, and we should listen carefully to all sides. Let somebody speak out and tell their story and tell their lived experience. And usually, once people have stopped throwing stuff at each other and things are calming down, we can come to an agreement where actually everybody is should ultimately be agreed except the last few extremists. But we as liberals, we are not those people. With the government statement being so explicit on the .gov website, and because it's been previously announced in the Queen's speech, why do you believe that nobody in government is denying the claims that this will include trans people when the government's own statement explicitly states that their stance is that they should be included? Oh, because Boris Johnson has done a U-turn on a U-turn and typical Boris Johnson thing, did something on the back of a fact packet without thinking about it. These are sensitive issues. You can't just announce one thing and half a day later you announce another thing unless you're actually very well briefed or you have been thinking about this for a long time. And Boris Johnson is just not that sort of guy. We know that. He's certainly not a detailed guy and he's somebody, well, if I may say, is lying. And not not just when it comes to conversion therapy, but on all sorts of other issues. He's somebody I do not trust as far as I can throw him. Uh, and uh, on this issue, he's um, again demonstrated that he's not trustworthy. Are you frustrated at the length of time that it's taking your bill to progress through Parliament? Obviously, we've had a couple of years worth of COVID delaying a lot of bills. I mean, not just certainly not just this one. But do you feel that it could be pushed through a little bit quicker than it is being? I mean, let let me say this again. My bill itself, my private member's bill, would never have been successful. The only time that I was successful with the private member's bill was three years ago with the upskirting bill, when actually the government took my bill on and made it into a government bill. There's only ever one private member's bill that gets fully debated and goes through all stages of debate, from first reading to second reading to the committee stage to third reading, then into the House of Lords, where it does the same thing again, then it returns. The legislative process is long and winded, and at any point, a bill can fall or be voted against it. Government bills usually make it through because the government has the majority and therefore will always win the vote. That's why we are going persistently through the voting lobbies and as an opposition usually lose unless the government amends its own legislation. But on the whole, the government gets its way because it's got a majority in parliament. So any opposition proposal doesn't see the light of day until an opposition becomes a government and then they can put their bill through and it gets voted on and they win the votes until that moment. Only a government bill will successfully make it into law. So my bill, because I'm an opposition politician, would never, however quickly or slow it would go through, would never have made it into law until the government made it into their own law. And the government is trying to now introduce its own um, law, 
it was very slow at introducing its own law. Uh, and currently, it's very controversial because Boris Johnson has said it will not include trans people. So that frustrates me. My bill itself is fine. It would be great if the government said, oh, it's Vera's bill that we are putting through. But they would never say that. It's their bill. It's a government bill. And the controversy is around the current government proposal, nothing to do with my bill as such, and the fact that they want to exclude trans people from a full ban. You mentioned there the upskirting bill. I do seem to remember at the time that there was just one member, correct me if I'm wrong here, who stood up in Parliament and said, object. And that was enough to stall the bill. But all all private members' bills suffer that same fate. So if you come on a so-called sitting Friday when when the private members' bills are being proposed and some of them get debated and get a short debating time, government whip usually says opposed. And if the government whip doesn't say opposed, then um, they've got a a team of five or six Tories who just say opposed to every bill. There's always about 20 or 25 bills that fall on every sitting Friday. It's just a way to say, don't make it beyond being announced as a private member's bill, get the second reading date, and then on second reading on a Friday, well, we have got sort of sitting Fridays every fortnight, I think, if you go into, into Parliament and sit in the gallery and follow what happens, they all fall. That's the fate of a PMB, a private member's bill, unfortunately. <laughs> but you can ask why does Parliament have that provision at all in other legislatures? It doesn't exist, so in, in, I don't think so, at least in France or Germany. Bills are only proposed by the government. And then once the government changes and it's a Labour government from a Tory government or a Tory government from a Labour government or whatever, a coalition government, then the government puts forward their legislation and that's it. Here in Britain, we have got this rather sweet, really, <laughs> provision that private members can put in their own bill proposals as a way of publicly campaigning for an issue within Parliament rather than just sort of marching for it or doing posters or having drop-ins in Parliament or whatever it is. It's an intention. It's saying, I think you should have such a bill, but always on the basis that such a bill is not going to become law. There's only ever one bill that gets fully debated, makes it to all stages um, and becomes law. And that's one a year. Uh, and it is decided by ballot. So at each new parliament, a member, we all put our, our hats, and, uh, you know, our, our names into a, a ballot. And whoever comes out on top wins the ballot and then proposes a bill that makes it all through parliament. I can't remember uh, which parliamentarian it is and what the bill exactly is. But there's only ever one per year, one backbench bill that makes it um, through the whole process. Everybody else's PMBs and whatever, they don't make it. That's the way it is. There's 10-minute rule bills, there's PMBs, there's all sorts of these things, and they're all there. It allows people like me to talk about it like I do today with you because you've seen it and you say, that's a good idea, or thank you that you're putting that forward, and so on and so forth. That is the fate of private members' bills. (laughs) Well, clearly you don't have much hope beyond the 6th of May. Given that this is such a sensitive thing and there is such a groundswell of support for this topic as a whole, if it does fail, which is obviously what you think is going to happen, will you be pursuing it further and using it as a a leverage that the government have, in fact, thrown your bill out when it's exactly what so many people want? Oh, indeed. I mean, I continue to um, campaign on it. I can, from the 11th of May onwards, we've got a new parliament. I can put it down again and probably will. I think about it. I think it was the second time anyway that I've submitted. I can't quite remember. So I, I keep, I keep, yeah, of course, I keep going. MP stands for most persistent. If you <laughs> achieve something straight away, it's usually something that wasn't so difficult to get through. But um 
Yeah, of course I will. But the main thing is really that we force the government that its its own bill is trans-inclusive. That's the main thing that we should do. And that will need a lot of campaigning. In the end, it will need a lot of campaigning from within the Tories because they've got a big majority. If they don't if they don't want Boris Johnson to face scrutiny tomorrow, then we are voting, or the opposition will vote for it. A, a few Tories will vote for it, but the majority won't. And um, Boris Johnson will get get out of jail tomorrow. I mean, that's what it is if you're in government. You've got a majority. And so you win everything through a vote. So it, it has to come from within the Tory party that the government changes its minds and makes a conversion therapy ban trans-inclusive. Well, thank you very much for this afternoon, Vera. Thank you for answering our questions. I think it's been very illuminating and we'll support you in your cause because uh, we do honestly thank think you. that it's something that really should be put into law much sooner rather than later. Well, it has to include everybody. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. So yes, thank you very much, Vera. That's uh, for giving us your time. It was wonderful. And uh, Ed Sawyer at the office, who he liaised with us and, and organised the whole thing. So thank you very much, guys. It's it's always nice to to actually get facts from the horse's mouth. Yes, I may have gone on at length that I hate <laughs> hysteria, and I would like to actually get to the the facts of things. And it's just nice to hear. Because I didn't, it was only last week that I realised it was a, actually a private member's bill and wasn't likely oh, to go very far. We mentioned earlier the upskirting bill in 2018 mm. when Sir Christopher Chope, God bless the man, <laughs> he's known within the House of Commons as uh, one of the awkward squad. <laughs> uh, I wonder why. But on the back of everything that we've just been told in that interview, I think it might be worth having a little crusade here. Because like the second reading is on the 6th of May. Totally coincidentally, <laughs> that's when all the local election results are being announced. Yes. And the counts. So it'll be buried away on the business of the day, probably under business without debate. Because if you look at any of those business without debate sessions, it's just one word, object, <laughs> and then move on. So I'll be keeping a good eye on this. I'd love to know which MP is going to object to this. Yeah, who's going to be the one? Yes, because I, I want them to be nailed to the wall. <laughs> I have no no vested interest personally in conversion therapy. It doesn't apply to me. It doesn't affect me at all. But it's just one of those topics where we can do some good here mm. beyond the confines of our silly little podcast. <laughs> yes, let's... Uh keep an eye and, and obviously when we when we find out who the uh, the one objector is uh, then we can campaign <laughs> campaign against them i have absolutely no doubt that it's not going to be my mp because i don't think she's ever been to the house of commons or even to our constituency <laughs> so, she's not actually a real person she's just a cardboard cut yeah. <laughs> <laughs> better on a 3d printer <laughs> Yes, we need a candidate for South Ribble. <laughs> Quick. Hmm. I have been toying. Watch this. <laughs> but that, that interview, I thought it was really, uh, really good. As you say, it's really nice of Vera to take time out. Mm. And she she is one of the MPs who actually does do something. And as she was saying, she, she has no expectation that this is going to go anywhere, mm. but it's just raising awareness. It's keeping it in people's minds. And as she said, when the new parliament starts, I think, is it five days after the, uh, after that? Did you say the 11th of May when the new parliament session begins? It's imminent, yes. Mm. 
and she's going to bring it straight mm. back up again and she's going to keep at it, which from the looks of her record, she does with quite a number of subjects as well. She's quite a... Uh, What's the word? <laughs> she, prolific. <laughs> prolific, thank you. So so yeah, and it, it was it was really nice of her. And the way the way that she articulated uh, sort of how it worked and also how she articulated her views on our um, Prime Minister in a very <laughs> <laughs> unambiguous way. Yes, yeah. <laughs> unambiguous, yet without the hysteria. She she stated a couple of <laughs> opinions, but I've got to say I wish she was our MP. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, She's she's wasted in Bristol, is she? Bad? But, but the, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I don't know the MP for Bristol, but um, but it's, it's a very it's a Bath and Avonmouth and, and that, yeah, all, yeah. But yes, I think we're not doing Twitter Twitter or anything like that this time. It's um, I think it's a, a serious enough topic as it mm. is. But I would like to play this clip from the fifteenth of June, <laughs> twenty eighteen, of Sir Christopher Chope objecting to Vera Hobhouse's upskirting bill. Wireism Offences Bill, second reading. No. Objection taken, second reading. Second reading what then? 6th of July. (sighs) Democracy in action. (laughs) I I don't think we need to say any more on that, do we? Yeah, and then you give an interview to, I think it was ITN or something a few days later, saying, I fully support this uh, barbaric practice or whatever. It was worse than those effects. (laughs) You know, and it does need more debate. (laughs) <laughs> there was a prime <laughs> how if you really believe that how much easy even the prime minister at the time Theresa May she said she was why have you done that <laughs> so yes uh, that's um, that's my two penneth it's, I just it's, this is a golden opportunity for the government to, to put through I will put through a link to on the on our Twitter page because this is one that I would like to keep going and, yes. and raise awareness from it's only a few days away it's this Friday so if you if you're at all interested or passionate about this spread the word and focus on the business of the day on Friday the 6th of May in the House of Commons it will be listed under business without debate I'm almost certain um, but they don't tend to publish the, the order of the day. It's only a few days in advance for some bizarre reason. I'm not entirely sure why, but it, it is in there. And uh, yeah, I think if we can make a big deal in, about this within a week, and and Lord knows Twitter can blow things up in quite a short space of yes, time. Yes, yeah, it's known for it. Twitter, let's do some good instead of just being <laughs> a horrible bitching echo chamber, please. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think we will draw that to a close, although, as you say, it's something we're going to come back to mm. in future weeks. But thank you very much to, to Vera and to Ed for arranging that. And thank you to you, Ken, for, uh, for an excellent interview. The first of many on this podcast, Let's I hope. hope so. Let's hope so. She was certainly more better behaved than some of the guests we've had on previously. Yes, naming no names. <laughs> <laughs> including the people that are on now (laughs) yeah yeah guests and others (laughs) but yeah we'll be back next week with more um podcasty goodness podcasty goodness goodbye thanks boys and girls ta-ta nine bob note featured paul isles rush and ken moss title music was by mark shyman And the programme was produced by Maverick Productions.
For more information, please visit maverickproductionsuk.blogspot.com or find us on social media.